Welcome to the St. Michael Lenten podcast series. My name is Robin Hinkle and I will be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Lent is You Turn. Lent is a season when we can respond to Christ's love by turning and returning to God. Join us in this renewal process and become part of God's holy work in the world. 1 John chapter 1, 8 through 9 puts it this way. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A reading from Paul's letter to Romans, chapter 7, verses 13 through 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law, that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here ends the reading. Today, I want us to spend some time thinking about the letter from Paul to the Romans. Paul was a devout Jew, and he was also a Pharisee and a lawyer. This meant that he was educated in Jewish law, and he admits that he was very zealous in trying to follow it. In fact, he initially was convinced that the Jewish leaders that killed, Je- that killed Jesus were right. And so he originally was a persecutor of the early Christians, and actually played a role in the death of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr. Paul became fanatical about trying to crush the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem and was active in having them arrested and put in prison. He then decides that he needs to quash the movement that has begun outside Jerusalem. So he asks for permission from the chief priest to go to Damascus so he can arrest the Christians in that city. It is on the road to Damascus that Paul meets the resurrected Jesus. And from then on, his life is changed. He immediately abandons his persecution of the early Christians and instead becomes one of its chief spokesmen, if not its most zealous advocate. He goes from leading the fight against Christianity to advocating for it in a very big way. He travels thousands of miles around the Middle East and Near East, spreading the word of salvation and the gospel of grace. He visits cities all over, preaching the gospel and establishing churches, and then he wrote letters to his fellow Christians and friends, encouraging them in their faith. 
Thus, in our New Testament, we have his letters to the churches in Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Galatia, and to other individuals like Timothy and Titus. And so now it is toward the end of this remarkable missionary career that he writes this letter to the Romans. He has been wanting to go to Rome for a long time. He considered it to be the epicenter of the world, and he was eager to go there to spread the gospel. So he sends ahead this letter to the early church in Rome. He sends the letter as a way of introduction and to give them the basis of his Christian message. This letter is therefore a remarkable theological work. To put this section in context for today, Paul has introduced himself and has gotten into the part of the letter where he is explaining the significance of Jesus. Paul is a lawyer, so he's using the technique of a lawyer. He is setting up his argument about why Jesus came and the significance of his life and death. So what we see here is his attempt to describe the human condition and in particular, why we all sin. And by this point in the letter, he has gotten all wound up. Now, you have to remember that Paul is a man who over the past 20 to 30 years has traveled thousands of miles establishing churches. He has spent this entire time preaching and teaching and going from place to place, talking about Jesus. He has been beaten, arrested, imprisoned, shipwrecked. He's considered to be on par with the apostles who lived with Jesus. So for those of us on the outside looking in, he's an easy one to agree on. Yes, Paul is a Christian, no doubt, that who is going, who is going to heaven. But then look what this good Christian says. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. In other words, I know what I'm supposed to do. Why can't I just do it? Why do I keep messing up? Why do I keep doing wrong? I want to do the right thing, but I seem to mess up time after time, day after day. Why do I keep on sinning? And so Paul comes to realize that sin is in our DNA. You know, when I read this passage, it always seems to remind me of my little brother, Chip. When we were little, there were four of us kids, and our parents used to load us all up in the station wagon with our dog, and we would drive 14 hours to visit our grandparents in Wisconsin. We had one of those nifty station wagons with a third seat in the back. So my dad would drive, and my mom was in front. I sat behind my dad, and my brother was with me, and my older sister and my younger sister sat in the backpack. Well, bless my, my brother. He was surrounded by his sisters, and it was a constant battle. We would declare a line down the middle of the seat. This side is mine, that side is yours. But he always seemed to cross over. And then would come the battles with my younger sister. We would say, don't touch your sister. Don't look her at, at her cross-eyed. Don't pull her hair. But he would, and then another battle would ensue. He knew the rules. He knew not to pick on her, but he just couldn't seem to help himself. Paul is contemplating this question. And he has also noticed that it is not just a matter of will. And so Paul comes to the realization that he is sunk, that he cannot do it. So he cries out, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? 
and the answer comes. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So my question for us all today is, have you ever felt wretched? Have you ever thrown up your hands and cried for help? Now, addicts of all people understand this revelations of Paul's. Addicts understand what it means to know what, what not to do and the struggle within their bodies, their minds, and their souls that keep them drinking or uh, the next drink or seeking drugs. The conduct and consequences of a prodigal son are readily apparent to all, including the prodigal son himself. But you do not have to be an addict in order to have this war within you. The pressures of the world create a myriad of instances that we seem utterly unable to overcome. It is in any instance where we seem utterly unable to do the right thing that we know we ought to do. That is when we begin to realize that we too are wretched, and we begin to wonder if we will ever be good enough to get into heaven. Paul frankly says no. We are not and will never be good enough. No one is perfect this side of heaven. But thanks be to God for sending us a Savior, Jesus Christ, the author of our salvation. So take heart, because, hallelujah, Jesus is the friend of sinners, and he says to them, he says to us, Come to me, all you that are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are struggling with sin or suspect that you are not perfect, or indeed if you are dealing with any kind of earthly care, cast your burden upon Jesus. You have a friend in Jesus, and His very Spirit, His gentle and humble and holy Spirit, is working within you. So cry out to the Lord in your distress, and I promise you, He will provide rest for your soul. Amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 